everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Yao Hongwen, joined by Li Yi and Josh Cotterell. Coming up, close your eyes and picture your favorite bakery: the warm glow, the heavenly aroma, and the delightful anticipation of your go-to treat. Now, open your eyes to a shelf where prices range from single digits to double digits for just one serve. Does the price tag match the pleasure? And Roundtable's heart-to-heart wait for you today. If you'd like to find us, just search for Roundtable China on your favorite podcast platforms. Now on Roundtable, for many people, bread has been cherished as a major staple. But as the bakery sector continues to grow, we are witnessing some changes in the world of dough, with a wide array of exquisite creations and. Great freshly baked options that are relatively pricey. Bread markets are pushing the boundaries to capture not only consumers' taste buds but also their wallets. So I was wondering: Are baked goods becoming too expensive, or are we just not customized or not used to these high-end products? What's the latest trend? Hmm. I think there have been like certain complaints from the customers, saying that baked goods are becoming sort of like more expensive than before here in China. But meantime, I think we can also observe a very clear price hierarchy in terms of the bakery industry in different locations in the market. For example, you mentioned bread priced one digit, meaning under ten yuan,、mm-hmm. is mainly found in supermarkets. Groceries,、uh, especially in large hypermarkets, these places are definitely not the first choice for bread lovers. Yet you can really find some cheap bread here, and、uh, however, you can't really expect a very sophisticated and complicated. Design or flavor of bread here, but then、um, bread priced between ten to twenty yuan is mostly available in bakery chains here in China, and even for these brands, I think sometimes they can also launch in some very expensive products like、uh, the whole wheat bread still can cost、uh, over twenty or thirty yuan. And then we have a bunch of premium bread brands, which are super popular, especially in bigger cities here in China.、Uh, for example, a, a long-time internet-famous、uh, bakery brand with wheat. Here, a loaf of signature whole wheat bread could just cost you nearly thirty yuan. And then in Shanghai, a one bagel product of A very popular bagel store named the New York Bagelist Museum is priced at nearly sixty yuan. And more, more, even more crazy is that in Beijing, <laughs> you know, a croissant with steak inside,、uh, made by a South Korean bakery brand, could just cost you nearly one hundred yuan. Still, they're very popular among customers. You can see like long queues 
uh, in shopping malls and uh, wherever these premium bread brands appear. I do not understand. When I was a kid, I remember eating this kind of little bread with some cream in it. We call it caterpillar because it looks like caterpillar with a little bit, you know, nice cream in it. And it's it's. At most five yuan,、yeah. but of course, when I was a kid or when I was younger. But I was wondering, confession time, for both of you, well, actually all of us sitting here and also Josh online, is there a bread snob presenting anyone that enjoy <laughs> really, really high end expensive bread or bakery or pastry or have ever tried one? I think I've tried maybe.、Uh, Yeah. Ah, both of you. I think we、really? all tried like certain options. I mean, maybe I am. Yeah. Yeah.、Uh, I mean, whenever you passed by those very famous、uh, bread stores, you are so curious about what exactly that you know loaf of bread tastes. I mean, which can cost hundred yuan loaf of bread. Yeah. So I just、uh, happened to you know be one of them to you know line up in a queue and wait for like half an hour to be in the store and buy some. And how was it? I think it's it's okay, but I don't really think it it deserve my like one、uh, hundred yuan. That's it, and、oh. I will never go to that store again. How about you, Josh? What's your most expensive bakery kind of story? Well, bearing in mind I come from the United Kingdom, which prides itself on the quality of its bakeries and the quality of its bread produce,、um, and there's not too many food produces. That the UK can be so proud of, so there's quite a lot of emphasis on this, and there's a lot of artisanal premium bakeries around the UK that are well known for their variety. And I think that really, what we got to remember when we talk about this is that although it can be quite shocking the differences in prices here, I think ultimately what we're looking at here is something that we're seeing. In a lot of different industries, which is the diversification and personalization of purchasing of purchases, right? In that people want a more personalized experience, especially when it comes to food. And I mean, in China, especially having been here five years, I've just seen when I'm ordering Waimai or something like this, how much more. Personalized, my product can be. Even when I'm ordering a cup of coffee, you know that you can have your coffee made. To the most specific detail, how you want it, right?、Um, the kind of milk that you want, and all of this kind of thing. And I think that bread produce、um, is no different in this instance. I think that people expect variety, at least in my own country. I don't care that much. I'll be honest. This is this is a very subjective angle here because my best friend is a baker. So whenever I go back, I. Just eat lots of different bread, and I went to university with him. I used to live with him, and so he taught me about bread. I don't know how to do it, but ever since that, I've had a sort of taste for it. And I also know that many people might think, "Oh, well, bread, bread snob!" The same, right? Yeah, maybe I am a bit of a bread <laughs> snob. I, I maybe I am, but I but honestly, when I when I have great bread, it just makes me feel so much better. And also, conversely, I think that bad bread is. Really bad. <laughs> I can't I mean, understand that. Yeah, I get what you're talking about. And the thing is,、okay. yeah, even though I personally would not chase after these really expensive, even to the degree that people praise about them on social media, kind of bread, I do understand there is the need. So let's move on a little bit from our personal experience to the overall market trend and. Talk about who are actually buying these expensive breads. 
Well, I think although bread brands, they're trying to upgrade their products and trying to sell customers very expensive bread, it seems that here in China, um, they are not really gained widespread popularity in most cities because here we can refer to a survey of over 4,000 customers conducted by the Lifestyle Channel of China News Daily. So according to this survey, most people, that's over 30%, spend 10 yuan or 20 yuan when buying a single loaf of bread. And there's another 25% of respondents who would buy bread priced between 20 to 30 yuan. So the proportion of people buying bread really expensive, I mean, priced over 50 yuan is less than 10%. And the same thing here in uh, major cities and smaller cities, the percentage uh, seems quite similar when it comes to people's choice of different uh, prices of breads. So it seems like um, people are still being quite conservative about those super expensive bread. But I think to answer your question, who are really buying those expensive <laughs> bread, I would say young people, definitely, especially uh, going after the trend. Right, especially when you see those uh, videos promoting such, you know, bread eating habits uh, on social media platforms and short video platforms. Definitely, I would say young people are going after it. And somehow I feel like those KOLs, they're trying to package bread into something something you need to have if you want to control your weight and if you want to live a more healthy lifestyle although there isn't really like there isn't really a scientific explanation for that some people are suggesting you know bread is even not not as healthy as bun as, as chinese bun because there there there's cream there is butter sugar. And there's sugar and inside Still, I think those uh, KOLs and social medias, uh, maybe that's uh, bread brands. They are trying to use this tactic to uh, to lure more younger consumers. You know what? I have actually purchased this ketogenic bread, the kind of bread that does not use any kind of flour. They just use um, protein and also sugar substitute. So you are not actually taking in any kind of carbohydrate. But is it tasty? Well, it's okay and it's healthy. Well, I guess they are. They are expensive. I'm trying to convince myself I am making the healthy choice. And that is to say, with the bread market, let's say, growing here in China, lots of different kinds of variations, different creations, and certain kind of, I would say, creation that maybe Josh, as someone from Europe with a long history of bread, would not necessarily have a... a agree on the kind of choices. For example, how do you feel of having chili sauce in a bread or having seafood in a bread? How do you like these creations? Well, me personally, <laughs> I'm actually pretty open to them. Oh, really? Uh, I really am. Yeah, yeah, I am. I think that it's really fun to be playful with with bread in this way and try out different flavors. Again, and I know we want to talk about the greater market here, but me personally, I think I've had quite an interesting experience growing up with my my best friend as i mentioned and his bakery is one of the best in the uk um <laughs> it's in margate it, it really is it's won awards this year and it's called oast and they are very playful they put all sorts of spicy things in it different kinds of sauces and i think again talking about the personalization and variety that people expect i think that this is what bakeries have to do these days in order to stay relevant and um keep their customers excited and coming back so i'm all for it yeah 
And in the meantime, I feel like nowadays customers, like you guys have already mentioned, are being quote unquote educated by not only the bread brands but also social media influencers. I actually follow an influencer who has learned to well learn to be a baker in a lot of different places and he would share certain videos not necessarily to tell you which store to buy but more likely telling you what a certain product should be like for example mm. croissant what should a good croissant be like the uh is it crispy enough from the oh. outside is it um chewy in the inside should you add any kind of chocolate coat or should you have certain filling some filling would compromise the texture and the taste of the croissant and some might surprise you so all these information i didn't used to have but with all these information in my head it's hard to shake them off it's hard to buy the according to josh really bad bread anymore <laughs> i think i also follow a, a similar uh, internet influencer i'm not really sure if we're talking about the same person but <laughs> it's also a he and he has been learned different like bakery techniques in, in some very famous uh, schools in, in france maybe I, the same one yeah um i know he has been like testing different bread and bakery stuff all across the country you know to see if those stores are offering the best uh, quality bread and pastry and through watching his video i really learned a lot about the bakery industry uh, particularly here in beijing i learned that it's not really the more expensive the better sometimes uh, some store they can offer really expensive products yet they are not really using very good quality uh, raw materials or ingredients and they are not really doing so good in terms of designing and uh, you know, paying attention to offer the best design to customers. And also I learned that some stores who used to be quite niche also became so popular uh, after that person uh, went to the store. <laughs> That's how, you know, social media has a very strong influence on the market, especially among young customers, because when they're watching those videos, they feel like, oh, that's the truth. And uh, if somebody, if somebody uh, who looks like so professional than me, then I can just trust him or her. And I think that's also the way how bread brands, they're using this tactic to promote their products as well. Are we seeing similar situation in the UK? Yeah, I think so. I think that most of the trends that you've discussed are actually uh, existing in the UK right now. I think the reason that we're talking about this, because for me, it was quite interesting even reading about this topic before the show, because it doesn't seem like a phenomenon to me at all, right? Um, but then I guess in the context of China in this market, it is, right? It is quite new. And I think that it's also quite new because the traditional staple food in China is not bread, whereas in my country it is, right? So, I mean, I guess that bread and varieties of bread and the popularity of bread is relatively short-lived compared to the UK. So these trends to me seem quite obvious, but I, I can sort of understand now why after this conversation and listening to you guys talk about it, why it's uh, more of a phenomenon here. Yeah, because here in China, bread is still, well, I think a lot of people are opting for bread nowadays, which is why some of them are complaining about the price. But I guess one, there are still the choice of the one digit bread. It is okay and we have all agreed that for those really high-end really premium exquisite artisanal ones it's okay if occasionally we get them for a 60 
70 or even 80 yuan just to give it a try. But here comes the question. If your bread is not even freshly made, if they are shipped to the bakery shop in the shape of a pre-made dough and all the chef did is to put them in the oven, will you be willing to pay for the high price? I think as far as I'm concerned, that is actually a very widely adopted approach mm -hmm. by a lot of bread stores right now, also including those internet famous bread stores. But I think um, I will still just go for it because for me, as long as they can guarantee the flavor is good as always. And sometimes in this case, maybe pre-made food can be a disadvantage <laughs> because they can really guarantee it's clean and it's safe and uh, they can guarantee uh, the ingredients are being put in a, in a very balanced way and all the time. So guaranteeing the flavor. And uh, I would say yes, why not? But I noticed that there are more customers uh, who prefer freshly baked bread over pre-packaged ones because they feel like it's, it's fresher and uh, it is much more worth the price, the high prices. Uh, we are referring to another survey showing that over 70% of respondents more frequently consume freshly baked bread, with only about one third of respondents, including me, more frequently consume <laughs> pre-packaged bread. Mm. Yeah. Well, last question. We've been putting ourselves in the shoes of consumers because definitely we are consumers and we are purchasing these breads. But I'd like to direct this question to Josh, who has a really, well, the best friend who's a baker, who's, you know, also selling bread. So I was wondering if you are in the Chinese market and you're helping your friend open a bakery shop and you're uh, producing and baking all these expensive, but really, really up to standard, high quality bread, how would you, quote unquote, educate your consumers or sending the message to the market that you're really good, how to, you know, make your bakery live in the Chinese market? Well, I think that my advice would probably be applicable to anybody who's opening any kind of Western style food vendor business in China, and that's to do your market research and to do your culinary market research and to learn about consumer trends and Chinese, specifically Chinese food consumer trends. I mean, there are numerous examples of very popular Western food vendors and businesses, for example, pizza vendors. And if you look at, and we've actually discussed the, the, the strange kind of success and lack of success <laughs> that these businesses have mm. had in China, right? But, but to neglect that for a moment and just talk about that, there is a big difference between the pizza that you might get from the same brand in China compared to if you went to the UK or even from the UK to the US. So they would have to make some changes. And also it would matter where they are in the city. Something about bread is that it's supposed to be fresh. And unlike some products that can easily be delivered, bread usually is less deliverable or it needs to be delivered on the day, right? It needs to remain fresh, which means that it's quite important that where you are geographically compared to if you were making some sort of produce that could be delivered to different parts of China, I would say, well, you also have to think about the city that you're in. If you're in Beijing, for example, which is much bigger, uh, more cosmopolitan, more multicultural, has a lot more foreigners, then maybe something more classic and Western might be successful. But if you're in another city, you know, you also have to look at that as well. So market research would be my answer, uh, my short answer to that very difficult question that you asked me. 
Well, yeah. that's a good answer. And here in China, we see the consumers are getting relatively deeper pockets, yet they are also being very picky in a good way. We want the very best ones. If they are, if the bakery, any vendor can offer the very best ones, they are willing to pay for the relatively high price. But with all these choices, they're getting smarter and they want the price tag to match with the quality. And I think that is the ultimate answer to anyone who's opening any kind of business in any kind of market. You're listening to Roundtable coming up next, Heart to Heart segment. Stay tuned. You ask. We answer. Roundtable. Heart to Heart. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, Neil Hongli, and Josh Cotterell and Lee Yi. Here comes one of my favorite segments, roundtables heart to heart. This is where you take your questions, problems to the show and gain some suggestions or advices from the roundtable team. And today we've got a voice question from Yvonne. Hello, roundtable team. I'm Yvonne from Green City, Shenzhen. I'm a big fan of your show and I love all hosts. He Yang, Josh. Liu Hongling, Xinyu, Lai Ming, Li Yi, Fei Fei, Yu Shun. Please forgive me if I miss any other host's name. I never thought I would be emailing for advice, but at the moment, I'm at a very low point in my life. So I really need someone's opinion to help get out of it. I'm 40 years old, I'm married, I lost my job early this month, and my mind has gone blank since then. It's like... I lost my passion for everything. I'm planning on moving, but I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do next. Sometimes I feel like my mind stuck with angels and evils, and they are fighting. I'm having trouble sleeping. It has caused me some healthy issues. Then this mid-crisis is really stressing me out. I want to talk to my friends, but they all have their own stuff to worry about, and. One of the main reasons I haven't reached out to them is because I don't want them to see me break down. I'm not ready to show my vulnerability to close friends and family. So I was wondering if I could get some advice from you guys on how to overcome my hardship, be positive, and have a clear mind on things I want to do without being affected by the outside world. Thank you all. Thank you so much, Yvonne, and um, thank you for taking your question to us. It's a really serious question, and hopefully we can help you with it. Um, so, Josh, do you want to get started? Yeah, I just want to say thanks also to Yvonne for calling in and sending us the voice message. I think that that's a really great first step, and I think that communication and acknowledging verbally out loud some of your concerns and difficulties and things like this it is the first step. And mm -hmm. I think that you've already done that evidently. So congratulations and well done for doing that. I, I think that that's really admirable and quite brave. I think that it's quite difficult for me to give any specific advice, any career advice or anything like this, because I, I only have this voice note to go off. But I think that generally speaking, it's always useful to reflect on your passions, and your values. Again, I'm not exactly sure what they are, but I think that, you know, this could be an opportunity for you to take some time, if you can, to take some time to think about what truly inspires you, what your core values are, and what brings you fulfillment 
in life. I think that sometimes these breaks and these moments in life can be quite scary, but they do also offer an opportunity for self-reflection. So maybe you can see it like this. And I, I think that also it, it could also be an opportunity for you to seek support and guidance. And uh, it really touched me when you said that you're struggling to reach out to your friends because you don't want to, I guess, burden them in some way with some of your issues. Um, that was quite hard to hear you say, because I think that your friends probably will be more than happy to hear you talk about this. And I think that if they really are your friends, that's, I mean, friends are there for many reasons. Um, it's supposed to be a mutual relationship, but I mean, just think about it. If one of your friends were to come to you with such issues, wouldn't you listen to them and want to help them? So um, I, I would encourage you to reach out to those closest to you and let them know how you're doing and how you're feeling. Because again, I, I think that that just is the first step and it can put a lot of clarity and light on many things. Because right now you're in your own world, in your own echo chamber. And sometimes it's very difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you know, you're, you've built this tunnel around yourself without any exit or something like this. Otherwise, good luck. Uh, thanks for calling in again. I, I'm sure everything's going to be okay. Mm. I think Josh has basically said everything I want to say, but <laughs> I just want to add that. Yeah, again, thank you for supporting our show and thank you for sharing this to us. I think it can be really difficult for you to speak all about this to other people. So I think you're already brave, as Josh said, to share this openly to others. It's natural that you feel quite down and even depressed uh, right now because your feelings are valid. They're true. Anyone who's who go through such phenomenal situation can struggle with certain emotions like you do. So I think you just need to take the time to process everything. And also I want to add that, please make sure to take good care of yourself. I think that's always important. That's always the first thing before you want to pursue a new career or even further study or even want to take care of other people like your parents. I think your personal wellness is also something those people who truly love you care about. So take good care of yourself. And remember, you are not really alone here. And always remember your feelings matter to those people who truly care about you. It might be your friends, it might be your parents. And also feel free to write more to us to roundtable. We are more than happy to hear your feelings, to hear your emotions. And we are more than happy to stand here with you. And uh, yeah, take your time. Yeah, those are very valid and good suggestions and I would add some little points that is when I feel like I don't know where I'm going I would pick up certain little things that I can do in life that are sustainable that are controllable you can start for example start reading a book a real book in your hand for half an hour a day starting from there or you can start exercising hit the gym for half an hour a day and that is your little success and after doing that for a week two weeks a month you would feel like gradually you are getting onto something. You're getting the feeling of controlling your life back in your hands. Again, those little victories in life would help you navigate in your life. That's one thing. And also, I totally agree with both Josh and Li Yi that your true friend would care about you. So talk to your friends. Do not be afraid of being vulnerable. It's it's how people support each other. It's what support system means. And in the meantime, if you truly feel like you do not have a passion for anything, 
for more than two weeks, I would suggest you to go seek professional help. Like Italy said, taking care of yourself is very, very important. So that's at least the first thing that you need to concentrate on. And the last thing is, let me share this with you.、Uh, Winston Churchill once said, "Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts." So as long as you're continuing, as long as you are striving to do the best, you are writing to Roundtable. You're sending a voice memo to Roundtable. You are continuing. So you're already a hero, surviving the world. So keep up the good work and keep in touch with us. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thanks, Josh and Li Yi, for joining the show. It's been a pleasure having you at our table. Until next time, keep the conversations going and the ideas flowing. I'm Yohong Lin. Bye.